Ron Elving is in the United States. He's senior editor, correspondent, Washington desk for NPR. Congress is taking two weeks off soon, but there's some fiscal challenges ahead. Ron, what's the latest? Crazy, isn't it? But Congress is already taking a two-week vacation at a time when the aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and U.S. allies in Asia is completely hanging fire. And nonetheless, while the Senate has already passed it, the House has simply left town. And at the same time, uh, we are looking at a fiscal cliff in March. There are two dates when by, uh, by which dates the federal government needs to have new appropriations bills passed or has to have another kick the can kind of resolution that says we'll do it later and keeps all current funding going at current levels. Now, that's what Congress has done before, but they haven't done it yet. And we're coming right up against those deadlines again. And many of the Republicans in the House who have made it impossible to govern in that chamber are saying they won't vote for another continuing resolution. They won't kick the can again. And they want to provoke a crisis in March. So it seems a curious time to go on the road and take a vacation. What happens when they do come back? Just remind us of how delicate the numbers are, um, the role of the House Speaker, of course. Um, what, what will that crunch moment look like? We don't know yet because we simply haven't been in a situation like this before. Last week, the, before they went on vacation, the House of Representatives impeached the cabinet secretary it was the first time a cabinet secretary had been impeached in 150 years. They did it with the overwhelming margin of one vote. And promptly the next day, one of uh, the seats that had been open in the country that had uh, been held by a Republican in the majority was won in a special election by a Democrat. So their margin shrank by one vote. So we have the narrowest margin that you can possibly imagine. There's no example for it. If just two or three Republicans don't vote with the leadership, now that's out of 220 or 220 as, as, as it stands right now. If just one or two or three of them should vote against the leadership, there is no leadership and there is no ability to get any legislation through the House of Representatives. That is an untenable situation. And what happens if it happens? Well, the government will shut down, at least temporarily, until a decision is made by the new speaker. And by the way, he's only been in the job for about six months because they threw the last speaker out because he tried to use votes from both sides of the aisle. He tried to get Democrats to support some of the things that had to get done in order to get them done. That outraged the uh, far right cadre within his caucus, and they threw him out. That was Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Now we have a guy named Mike Johnson no one had ever heard of before last fall. He is trying desperately to cobble things together, hold things together, but he's at odds with the Senate leaders who are in his own party, as opposed to the Senate leaders in both parties. He's at odds with both parties, to, to be sure. But even his own party leaders in the Senate are saying, Mike, you have to do these things. We have to pass this aid to Ukraine. We are obligated to Israel. We've made representations to our allies in Asia. This is not optional. We have to do this. They are, these are obligations. But he doesn't have the votes. It's that simple. 
Okay, let's see what happens after their little holiday, Ron. Now, the Supreme Court is making decisions on whether the former President Donald Trump can run again. I am struggling to keep up with the case decisions at the moment with respect to the former president. Uh, Can we begin with this one, please? The Supreme Court is obviously the most important thing that is uh, pending with regard to Trump. Uh, There are two things. One is a case in which one of the states said we can't put him on the ballot because he led an insurrection back in January of 2021 and tried to prevent the uh, formal uh, certification of Joe Biden as president and uh, that whole January 6th business. And that qualifies him as an insurrectionist and makes him constitutionally uh, unable to be president. Uh, the Supreme Court has to decide whether or not that state can do that, do that. And I think most people expect the Supreme Court will say, no, one state can't disqualify Donald Trump from the presidency or kick him off the ballot. The other issue that he has raised is he has asserted that he's immune from any criminal prosecution for anything he did as president, even after he leaves office, because, well, He simply says he has to be immune for anything he does in office or it wouldn't be possible for anyone to serve as president. That's a rather unprecedented, unique argument, uh, but uh, his lawyers have been pressing it. He's lost in every court up to now with that argument, but it is before the Supreme Court and it's possible the Supreme Court could decide, no, the president can never be charged criminally for anything he does while he's in office, even after he leaves office. And if if they decide that, then... All the federal criminal cases, and I presume all the state cases as well, uh, would would be uh, finished. They would be ended. Uh, no one really expects the Supreme Court to do that, but here again, we have to await the decision of the nine. Uh, just to be clear, though, if they did find um, that he had offended, does that mean he can't run? Because that would seem to be an extraordinary outcome as well uh, in many yes. ways. Not not so much from a legal point of view, but from a political point of view and also as a, as a precedent. So what would be the consequences if they find the other way? As, as the Chief Justice, John Roberts, said, that's one major consequence you're talking about, Counselor, yes. uh, when, the, when the advocate for that point of view uh, was holding forth. He said, you're essentially saying one state can end the possibility of an individual being president. And that that is a decision made by one state for 50 states, and that would seem to be politically preposterous, even if there were a legal basis for it, which arguably, uh, just on the theory of the law, there is. Come back, though. Does the Supreme Court overturn what the one state found for itself? Is that another way of coming at this? We, we can't have a situation where one or two states decide that they're not going to put the president, uh, the former president, on the ballot, right? The Supreme Court's decision would null and void what the lower courts found. That is correct. Okay. That is correct. And when do we finally get an answer on this? Any day now. It could happen literally any day this week. It could be a little bit later. Uh, But they've already heard the oral arguments. They've already read all the briefs. Their clerks are hard at work at it. And the general assumption is they will reject the suggestion that Donald Trump has disqualified himself, made himself ineligible to be president, therefore cannot be on the ballot. They will reject that. That's the general assumption. But the, the betting is, 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 a, is a little different with respect to immunity because there again, there would be a precedent. And you would be saying, once you're elected president, you can do anything, even if it's against the law, and you can never be prosecuted for it even after you leave office. 
That's another extraordinary precedent. Just quickly, on the other court case where there was a finding involving the Trump family businesses, the implications for that politically, I mean, obviously all these things are a a distraction of sorts uh, for um, the potential nominee for the Republican Party, but there's no wider consequence out out of that decision. No, not not politically. In fact, uh, thus far, every time Trump gets indicted or accused of something in a court or a court judgment goes against him, he uh, he goes up in the polls. Exactly. So it doesn't seem to be hurting him in that regard. But there is also polling that indicates that if he's convicted of a felony in any of these cases that are pending this year, and there are several, that would begin to affect people who are being asked, do you want to vote for a convicted felon to be your president? Now, speaking of which, the battle of age uh, and the ages, so to speak, um, I I was talking last week with your colleague about how there seemed to be some pushback and and, uh, uh, people were trying to find how many memory fades uh, former President Trump had had, including uh, calling Viktor Orban the president of Turkey, for example, or taking the United States and uh, taking the United States to World War II, uh, which he suggested his opponent might do. Slips of the tongue can happen. It's a different matter with the incumbent president, I think, isn't it? Um, there's a really serious focus on uh, on his age and uh, allied issues such as memory. That's right, and and I think also Donald Trump gets something of a pass from some people with respect to. These kinds of precise identifications of foreign leaders or what happened when in the past, because he's never really held himself out as an expert in in any of these things. He hasn't been a chairman of the Judiciary Committee and the Foreign Relations Committee. He hasn't got a long history as a senator. And so people don't expect him necessarily to know all the things that Joe Biden has known in the past. It's a little more shocking when Biden, who has done all those things and has that background, has a problem coming up with a name. Uh, Donald Trump just hasn't put himself forward as any kind of expert in these things. He just talks, and he has always kind of gotten away with that because here again, his hardcore base of support is undisturbed by his errors. So the focus is just is continuing. Is is it likely to feature mainly as um, uh, an attack line during campaigning, or are there other potential consequences this late in the piece? Yes, it it is conceivable that there should be so much doubt about Joe Biden's ability to continue in office that there would be a serious effort to discuss this at the Democratic National Convention, which is coming up in Chicago in July. Uh, It would be within the power of that convention to change its own rules, disregard the fact that there isn't anyone else with really any delegates to speak of at the convention, and say, we're, we're not prepared to, to nominate this fellow because we're worried about it. Now, that's a possibility. It's a theoretical possibility, but he would have to be in far worse shape than he has shown himself to be up to now for something that disastrous or that, that uh, out of the ordinary, out of all precedent to happen. Much more likely, there will just be much more talk about this, and uh, there will be some pressure on him possibly to step down as... Uh, President Johnson did in 1968 for very different reasons, not physical reasons, not mental reasons, but just political reasons, and say, all right, I don't want to be president anymore. Pick somebody else. That could still happen. But here again, don't expect it. Don't bet on it. Thank you, Ron Elving, Senior Editor and Correspondent, Washington Desk for NPR.